0: is going on ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the dusty Dines podcast i am your host tj plugger and we have a special guest today mr ian la what's up lappy how are you oh hold on how you doing good man how you doing
1: i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm glad uh, i was working on that app there i was trying to figure it out but i'm glad it's working <laughs>
0: yeah Thank you for taking the time out to uh, speak with us. I know you guys, you're busy coming up with
1: the season coming up. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I'm going to get busy. Yeah, I've been busy since I got the job there. And uh, right now with the development camp, the camp coming up next week and after we have the rookie camp and yes. a bunch of meetings, but it's exciting time for me personally. And it's exciting exciting times for the Phantoms and the Flyers. No, absolutely. Cong- huge congratulations to you as well. Thank you. Thank
0: you very much. Uh, first and foremost, um, I want to talk. We're gonna, you know, go back your early days up in Canada. You played in the Quebec International Pee Wee Tournament.
1: Oh, oh boy, God. you
0: go way back, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. How, okay, how, let's do that. <laughs> all right. How did you get? How did you get involved in that? And can you tell us your experience with that?
1: Well, you know, back home, it's kind of a big deal to, uh, to make that tournament when uh, it's the Pee Wee tournament, if people don't know what, what we're talking about. It's like uh, they're playing, well, they used to play when I played at uh, the old Coliseum uh, where the Nordic used to play, and it's like 14,000, 15,000 people, and people have to think like we're 12, 13-year-old kids. and, and um, But you have to qualify. You have to qualify in your district. And uh, you have to be the best team out of your district, and you go out and represent uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you represent a couple other teams there, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be on a good team. And uh, we did. Uh, we went to Quebec City, and uh, it's it's also during um, the Quebec Festival. There's a huge festival in Quebec in the winter. It's it's just it's tough to explain, but it's kind of a Huge party, huge happening, but uh, mm-hmm. again, I was just fortunate to have a, to be on a good team and and uh, make it to, uh, to the finals. Actually, we went there and uh, we made it to the finals.
0: Absolutely. Now, now with the Wee tournament, now I know you know there's you know people from the states go up there and play that. It, it's becoming a yeah. big deal now.
1: Oh, it was big back then. Like I know people remember the Ferraro brothers, the twin brothers there. And we played against them. They came in. They came up, and uh, they were uh, representing the New York Islanders. And we played against them, and and they had uh, pretty good careers after that. Like it was, kids were coming from all over all around the world, and you had you had the NHL uh, um, league, you had the international league below it, and uh, it's a it's a great tournament. Like I can say enough good things about it. You had Gila Fleur who played there, obviously way before me, but like. Um, you know, a lot of uh, famous hockey players played there, and it's just—it's uh, a great experience for for a teenage boys, teenage boy to be able to uh, to play in a tournament like that.
0: Absolutely, and then you know, moving ahead, you played in the in the queue with the Drummondville <laughs> for four seasons. Now, you racked up a lot of points and penalties. How
1: how <laughs> how that go about? <laughs> Uh, you know, I've always been a physical player, like all my life, like growing up, my dad was always preaching about there's one thing you can control, it's to be physical out there, finish your hits, finish your hits. And mm-hmm. and that's what I did all my youth, you know, like going from being, a, while we while we were able to hit, I was, uh, I was doing that, you know, control what you can control that I could control. And uh, for whatever reason, like uh, when I was 15, I got drafted to Drummondville. I uh, don't know where because I wasn't even I was drafted 12th overall but I wasn't even ranking the first 100 players oh wow And one of the scouts uh, Stefan Pilate's name is he's uh, one of the main scouts in Anaheim now and um, he, uh, he saw something in me and I'm glad he did he just saw something in me and uh, the passion for the game the desire of getting better and and fair enough he drafted me in Drummondville and that summer something happened like I don't know it was confidence like you know I I felt that somebody were believing in me and I just went on and went to camp, went to um, other small camps in the summer and I gained confidence and I started putting numbers there. And I went to junior, start putting numbers there too. And I don't know. It was just, uh, you know, I worked hard. I won't lie to you. I did my work, but Mm -hmm. you always need somebody to believe in you. And uh, that guy was the guy who believed in me.
0: Absolutely. Now, when you were playing junior hockey, When did it come come in reality to you that you were possibly going to get drafted in the NHL? Uh,
1: You know what? I played underage. I was 16, playing in Drummondville. And my name was, you know, I was putting numbers for an underage kid. And people were talking about me like uh, uh, next first round picked and then the following year. Because as a 16-year-old, you just can't get drafted. You need to get drafted at 17. So I played a, a full underage there. The vibe was coming up, like, you know, I'll, you know you're 16 years old you you read the stuff in the newspaper no internet back then but, and you you start believing what they say about you and everything in the following year uh-huh. i did that i did that enough here you know i was 17 i was my 17 years old that was my draft year i felt overconfident. i didn't train properly and uh i just dropped in the draft big time and um I dropped in the fourth round. You know, they were saying that I was going to get drafted in the fourth round, but that year was the first year where they opened the border to all the European players, like, from Russia, from Slovakia, from Czech Republic, from everywhere. So I dropped even further. I was uh, was drafted on the se- in the seventh round. I think it was 158 overall, something like that. It was, uh, you know, it was... Um, A reality check for me. It was a wake up call more than a reality check. It was more like uh, you just, in in this business, you just can't take any time off. You can't feel comfortable. You just can't feel uh, complacent. You have to keep doing the work. And uh, if anything, I look back and they kind of uh, uh, gave me a wake up call and uh, made me the player I was, you know, I became afterwards. Now,
0: going on to that, what you just talked about there, the, the night you got drafted, you're, you're uh-huh. sitting there, you know, like you said, the fourth round goes on. And when it's in Montreal,
1: too. That's where I'm from, buddy. <laughs> like grandma,
0: grandpa, yeah uncle, everybody was at the, the old farm there. So you, you hear your name called, and it's like a weight lifted off your shoulders. Like, what, what experience is like, you know, we ask that to every guest, you know, we ask, the, like,
1: Randy yeah. McKay, those guys. What is that like? It was great, but I'll tell you something. Like, my agent's in Montreal. He's walking around. The, you know, he's I'm, I'm in the stands with my family, and he's walking around. Like, he goes and talk to the teams and everything. And, and we're in the fifth round. There's a break there. And he comes to me, and he goes, like, well, he goes, like, uh, just go home, and if you do get drafted, I'm going to give you a phone call. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I got everybody here. My, my, my girlfriend, my wife now, she was there. My my like I said my grandpa my mom my everybody was there like people I didn't know they were there like I'm like there's no way I'm leaving here yeah to, if I hear, if I don't hear my name I'll deal with it but then I want to make sure I'm staying here but you know seven you go up to three rounds later and uh, but you know in the fourth round to go back like they they, they name it uh, they go like the Montreal Canadian which uh, I grew up being a huge Montreal Canadian fan they they go up to the mic and they said. Uh, uh, we're drafting from the Drummondville Voltiger, which is the team I was playing for in junior. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was me. And they drafted one of my teammates, which I was really happy for him. But I was kind of a little dagger. I wanted to be drafted by my hometown team and everything. And, and I had to wait three more rounds. But, you know, like you hear your name and at the end of the day. You don't care. You're on seventh. First. Obviously, there's a big difference. But yeah. in, my, in my mind, I was like, as long as I get a jersey, as long as I get a place where I'm going to go and prove myself, that's all I need. And and that's what I did. I, I just I got drafted in the seventh round in St. Louis, and I put the work in, and I'm like, I'm going to prove those six guys that they were drafted before me. I'm going to prove that I'm better than these guys. Then, uh, you know, you look at those six, six guys before me, um, I'm the one who played the longest. You know, I'm not. I I don't try to be uh, cocky or arrogant Mm -hmm. here, but my thing, why I say that, it's more like my my mindset was right. I was like, I'm going to prove them wrong. And uh, I put the work in and, uh, you know, I had a pretty good career.
0: Absolutely. Now, you know, you you get drafted, you make your way to the NHL. While being at camp, did you have to change your mindset and role from what you were Uh, used
1: to in junior? I love that you bring that up, my man. Like it's – I, I went to first, my first camp in St. Louis and, uh, back then, and we still do that now, but not quite as much. But back then, we, they used to give us a booklet, like a, a little book with all the guys that, you know, all the guys that were in camp. Again, we didn't have the internet back then. <laughs> I'm yeah. talking, it's 1992 here. There's no internet. There's no uh, Bill Gates or anything like No iPhones, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And you go through the book, and you're like, you're looking at this guy. And all of a sudden, he played NCAA and whatever at, um, I don't know, whatever school, Penn State, whatever. And uh, he, he, he played 33 games, put like 45 points in 33 games. Like My point is, like, everybody was in camp were a pretty good player. Like, whoever's there put numbers up. You don't get drafted by not putting any numbers up.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: remember, like it was yesterday, I'm sitting in the room, and I got Steve Stales right in front of me. And I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, I'm looking around the room. I'm like, all right, what am I willing to do that those guys are not willing to do? And uh, you talked about my family like, you know, when I play in junior and everything. I always like the physical part of the game and finishing my checks. And if you do that, especially back then, if you finish your checks that you shift, you're going to have to fight. And I, I was never afraid of fighting. I wasn't the greatest fighter, don't get me wrong. I wasn't Bobby Probert or anything like that. But... I was always willing to do it if I had to do it. And uh, that, that that was my thing. I'm like, you know, I looked around that locker room, my first training camp. I'm like, all right, those guys are, you know, probably are not willing to do what I'm willing to do. And my thing was like, I need to stick out. And the way to stick out, it's to be physical and, uh, and just, you know, like my dad told me when I was younger, finish your check every time you have a chance to do it. And um, that's what I did.
0: Now, do you notice, uh, obviously, you know, like you said, you, do you notice now as being, you know, you were an assistant coach with the Flyers now a head coach with Lehigh Valley. Mm-hmm. Do you bring, you know, stuff that you learned back in your time playing to coaching now? For sure. The, my, the phrase I
1: just used, it's one of my favorite, favorite phrase. What are you willing to do that the guy next to you is not willing to do? Absolutely. Or the guy in front of you is not willing to do? And I don't care if it's in sport or in business, it goes – I'm I'm telling you, like, it's it's true. It works. Like, it, like buddy, like, it's, it's one of those, like, my friends should, and still today, they tease me about me being in bed at 9 o'clock when I was younger, uh-huh. going for runs in the morning, going for double workouts, like, crazy stuff like that that I did. Well, I was willing to do it, and I knew the other guys weren't willing to do it. In 1990, no, sorry, 2004, we got locked out by the owners there. I trained like I never trained before because I was willing to do something that the other guys weren't willing to do. Yeah. And, you know, you're asking me if uh, I can use stuff that I used as a player back then, if I can relate it to my players that I'm going to coach next year. Well, there's one example right there. Are you willing to do something that the guy in front of you or the guy next to you is not willing to do? Well, do it. You know, uh-huh. if you do it, you won't you won't look back and say, I, I should have, could have, would have. You know, if you do that, you have that mindset, you know, sky's the limit.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I'm going to have my son listen to that, just that part. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I,
1: I preach that to my boys. i have a 19-year-old and 17-year-old, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've been preaching that since the little guys. I'm like, what are you willing to do? You know, uh, you're like, my oldest was a hockey player. He's not playing hockey anymore. He goes to college. But uh, I was like, like my dad did to me. He's like, my dad used to tell me, like, all right, you want to compete against those guys in camp? Well, how about you do a little extra? Go for an extra run. They won't do it. How about you do it? And it's not only physical; it's mentally. But it's the the biggest part. It's the mental part of it. You know, you did more than the guy next to you, and it goes a long way, my friend.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Now, two dates I want to speak to you about, uh, if you can, is ten twenty nine two thousand six. You scored your hundredth goal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not many guys. Not many guys at all can say they scored a goal or they don't get a chance. Like.
1: That was against uh, Minnesota and Colorado. Yep. I remember like it was yesterday. You know, like <laughs> I didn't score that many goals. I think I got a hundred and twenty something. Like, and I remember that one. Brett McLean made a nice pass. I just put it in. And uh, you know what? For a player like me to score a hundred goals, it's um, it's you know it's uh, something. Like you know what I. I played 17 years. I had a blast and everything. I was unknown to score goals and everything, but that year was a special. I scored 21 goals that year, and mm-hmm. just to hit that mark for me was uh, something special. You know, as uh, as players, like you, you, you do have the ultimate goal is your team, which I get it, but you need individual goals. And when you get to 90 goals, you're like, it'd be nice if I get 100. And uh, when I did, uh, when the Mac made that nice little pass across with a two-on-one, I remember again. It's been uh, probably over 10 years, but I remember like it was yesterday. And uh, against uh, Manny Fernandez, which I know I played against him in juniors, a French-Canadian too, and it's always nice to to be able to score against a friend and uh, you can rub it in even uh, 10, 20 years <laughs> later. <laughs> now, April 11,
0: 2009, you played your 1,000th game.
1: Yeah, that was great. You know what, like um, my dream was to play one game and uh, – I just, uh, you know, I was. Um, I I don't like I don't like to use the word lucky, because I don't think I was lucky. I think I put the work in mm-hmm. and just to hit that number a thousand game. And and uh, what people don't know, like I played the last probably before uh, before the, to hit, before I hit that thousand game, I broke my foot like ten games before that.
0: Oh my! And,
1: and uh, my foot was like. I remember we were in San Jose and. Uh, um, Neil Smith, who used to be my GM for the Rangers, was at the game. I don't know why he was at the game, like scouting or whatever. And he saw me before the game, and he's like, "Lappy, you're right." And I'm limping, and my foot is like it's huge, like it's huge. And he, he's the one who traded me to LA. Uh, and uh, he's looking at my foot. He's like, "There's no way you're gonna play with that foot." I'm like, "Neil, I'm gonna hit a thousand game in ten games. There's no way I'm <laughs> gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna miss that game." And he's looking at me like I'm crazy, but. And uh, fair enough, but, you know, I, 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 took whatever I had to take to, to get through those ten games, but it was something special. Just you know, like uh, when you hit that milestone, and uh, um, you know, I like the way I played too. Like I was in the skill player, I was physical, I was look. If anything, like you know, I deal with injuries, I dealt with those, and I battled through those, and I had surgeries, yes. And but uh, just to hit that thousand game, and. Um, Just, you know, my mom, the sacrifice she did. And unfortunately, my dad wasn't there, but, uh, you know, he was there in in my heart. And Mm -hmm. that's the only thing, if I can look back and say, what was missing there? You know, my wife was there, my kids were there, my mom was there. It was great. The only thing that, you know, was missing for me, it was my dad. My dad was an inspirational guy for me. Like, you know, I I grew up, you know, I saw him go to work every day just um, to make sure we had everything, me and my sister and i was really tight for my dad and if anything that you know i'm missing about that day is uh, not having my dad there and uh, you know being part
0: of it. absolutely then a couple months later july 1st you know you signed a 3 year deal with philly i know myself you know as, as i was i was young a little younger i was you know i went crazy when you signed here knowing we were getting you know a badass blue collar player in the lineup you know what why philly though
1: why well, failure? Because of Paul Holmgren. You know, he kept, okay. he called and had, had other options to go. And it's funny because I play most of my career in the West, you know, like playing in Colorado, playing in LA for nine years, you know, I played most on the West side. And all of a sudden when July 1st came along, I, I um, uh, yeah, came along Omer called us. And he's like, you uh, he offered me three, you offered me four year deal at first. Mm-hmm. I was 35 years old at the time. I'm like holy cow, I don't know if I'm gonna make it to four years. <laughs> and I'm like, I love it that he's offering me four years, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm you know, I wanna be honest with him. I'm like, I'm banged up, I had a bad knee, I had a bad back, you know, I couldn't deal with it, but I'm thinking ahead. I'm like, in four years, I, you know, I respect the guy. I just don't wanna be that kind of guy who take advantage of that. Then we came down and they, they gave me a three year deal, but just fun like listen, the way I played, I was I, you know, I was built for the Flyers, you know, a physical guy who didn't mind dropping my gloves and blocking shots and sacrificing my body, and that's what the Flyers are all about. And that's what the Phantoms are all about, too, you know mm-hmm. I'm talking And that's, I don't know if they were all about that in the past, but I bet, you know, I, I guarantee you there will be in the future. You know, <laughs> it's, that's the way I'm going to, uh, you know, build my team. I'm not saying we're all going to be grinders diving in front of pucks and everything, but I'm, I'm going to want to have you know, 20, 23 guys caring about their teammates and doing everything they, they can to make themselves better individually and make the team better at the end of the day. And uh, if I you're asked, you asked me earlier what I can bring, well, that's one thing I'm going to bring. It's my passion for the game. And, and those kids won't have any choice to follow.
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, your are playing careers over. You, you go into coaching. Like, I, I, I could see, you know, your love for the game. You know, obviously, speaking to you now, Like, what – did you want to get into coaching or did you want to –
1: You know what, I I, – like, some people forget, like, you know, I took that puck to the face again. I didn't want to
0: bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up, Lappy.
1: I'm I'm good with that. Like, listen, it's part of me. That's who I am. That's uh, – trust me. Like, if I had to pick a team, like, I played for five teams, if I had to pick a team to take those two pucks in the face, Mm -hmm. that would have been the Flyers, just like I did because – by what I did, and trust me, it wasn't met, I didn't mean to do that, but just, you know, I bled for this team. And, and one thing with Paul Ongren Paul and all the organization in Philly, you bleed for this team, they'll remember and they'll take care of you. And, and I'm the perfect example. Listen, I played for, I played a year. We went to the finals. I missed that second round against Boston. I'm bleeding in my head. Sat on the couch for a month. Came back against Montreal with symptoms. I didn't tell anybody. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of saying it. That's who I am. I played against Chicago in the finals. We lost. And the following year, I went home, trained, tried to train. I still had uh, concussion symptoms. My head was spinning. My head wanted to explode. Came back to the following year in camp. I played one preseason game against Jersey, and I thought I was going to get killed Yes, I'll be honest with you. Like, the game was going so fast, my head was going to explode. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. And uh, we flew to Minnesota the following day. And uh, Jimmy Crossing, who I've been through a lot with him with my injuries, I called him. I'm like, we need to meet the next morning before the game. I need to talk to you. I went to see him. I'm like, Jimmy, I'm 36 or 35 or 36 years old. I'm done. My head wants to explode. I need to retire. And Omer was on that trip. That's a preseason game. And he's like, uh, Omer texts me. He's like, let's meet in my suite uh, before the game. I went upstairs, and Omer's sitting. It's me and him sitting in his suite, and he goes like, Lappy, I know you're worried about your future right now, but for what you did for the Flyers, I'm going to do everything I can to help you out. What do you want to do in the, in the game afterwards? Think about it. Come and see me in two weeks. Fair enough. You fast forward. Two weeks later, I go into his office. I'm like, Omer, I'd like to coach. That's something in me. I still, I know I can give more to the game. And he goes like, listen, Lappy, you got two more years left on your deal. What well, you can't do, you can't coach right now because of that, but you should be doing a, you know, you do yourself a favor. I'll give you a chance to do player development. You got to go around and go see the future. The Flyers getting, you know, get introduced to the, that new generation, which it's not mine. The kids today are different. Those kids back then, 10 years ago, they were different. And looking back, it was the best thing I've ever done, just to get to know how to deal with those young guys, how to talk to them, get to meet their family, get to know what kind of kids they like, I'm thinking about Zach Ronaldo, Augustus Mayer, mm-hmm. uh, Scotty Lawton, uh, Taylor Lear. Like, I got a bunch of names. Those kids, I got to know them. I got to know the new generation. And uh, and fair enough, two years later, two years into that job, I was in Seattle sitting at the airport on the layover, waiting to come back home. And Omer called me, He's like, I'm making a coaching change tomorrow. Uh, you still want to coach? I want you on the bench. And uh, that's, that's I was- awesome. You know, you need to meet uh, great people through life. You know, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be in sport. It's going to be in, the, in, in life in general. And I was fortunate enough to meet Paul Holmgren. And I said that in the past, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it until I die. That, that man, like I can say enough good things about him. He's, um, he's uh, yeah, he's heart and soul. He's a flyer. He's just everything what the flyer should be about. He cares about his people. And if you give everything for the team, he will take care of you, and I'm the perfect example of that.
0: Absolutely. Now, I got, I got two more questions for you, Lab, and I'll let you go. One being, uh, you know, you're jumping in to your first season as a head coach in the okay. Head Valley. You know, you, you worked with coaches in Philadelphia. Do you, you know, take everything from every coach, like what they've learned and, you know, implement into your system that you want to do, like your way?
1: Well, system-wise, like, you know, we had a meeting today and I talked to you a bunch of times. Like, I'm a big believer, so is A.V. Like, system-wise, five-on-five five especially, uh, we need to play the same way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's I've seen in the past, like, we would call a guy up and I would have to sit with the guy for, a, I don't know, an hour just to make sure uh, we correct what they were doing differently in the minors. And I really do think it's not fair for those kids because if you do play a different system in the minors, you get called up you know the game it gets faster when you do get called up you don't have time to think i think it's it's a matter of uh, playing in the minors the same system more repetition more habits more of the same when you get called up and uh, that's that's why i'm going to go but to, you know i do i, I do i did uh, learn a lot from Craig Beury uh AV Dave Axtall, and uh, I'll be myself, but I will use a lot of what I learned from those guys. You know, it's, uh, I just can't be somebody else.
0: No, but, I, 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 that, that's not, I mean, I, I just was just saying, like, you know, what they've learned is, like, you know, you what they do, but you put your twist on it to make it
1: your sure. way. For sure. That's that's how it's going to be. And um, at the end of the day, I just couldn't go in there and be and be AV. I can't. AV's the eighth most, you know, the winningest coach in the history of the game. I don't have that pedigree chief yeah. chief's got a different demeanor than me you know he's more like uh he's a serious he's more on the serious side i'm more like i'm not saying i'm going to be loosey-goosey all the time i know mm-hmm. that i'm the head coach but i don't i don't believe of changing completely yeah. i'm just going to learn what I, you know i'm going to use what i learned from those coaches but at the end of the day i'm going to be myself and do my own way and i do believe in my uh, and my uh people skills if you want i do believe in my knowledge of the game and I, trust me, I'm going to make mistakes like my players will, but I, I won't be from a lack of effort or a lack of work. And that's going to be the same thing for my players. And I, I can live with that. You know, same with my mm-hmm. coaching staff. If they do make mistakes, but I know they're working and they're sticking to the structure we try to implement with that team, I can live with that. And it's the same thing with my players. And if they try to deviate and try to do their own thing, same with the coaches and players, that's where I do have issues.
0: Okay. And my last question would be uh, what would you tell, you know, the younger audience going from, you know, youth hockey, like my kid, he's placed 10 U, double A, to junior kids trying to make it to where you were. What would you tell them to pursue their dream? What would be your advice?
1: My advice, well, we talked about it, like Absolutely. you know, being willing to do what the guys next to you is not willing to do. That's one thing. But at the end of the day, they need to enjoy. They need to love what they're doing. And that's one thing for me, like, I played a long time. I coach, you know, I've been coaching for eight years, and it's, it never felt like it was work for me. And, uh, you know, the day, like, uh, if one of those kids go, out, go to practice and he feels like he's going to work, well, he's in the wrong business. He won't, he won't go anywhere. I know, it's a, I know it's a business, but at the end of the day, to be the best that you can be, you need to enjoy what you're doing. And it's like that Whatever you line of work, if you ask me. But I was lucky enough to find the right work for me but um you know it's and one more thing and what drives me crazy in today's world kids they need to do others they need to play other sportsmen mm-hmm. like, you know it's so crazy like even back home in, in in montreal like kids play hockey 12 months out of the year i see it like a, i go to the office you know i go to the office in worries and I see kids, you know, they play 12 months out of the year. It's July, and they're out there doing their skill work and everything. How about you go play baseball? How about you go play soccer? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. You're still going to be in shape. And the, the biggest thing, when you go to your next training camp, you're going to be hungry. You're going to want to be out there. Yeah. After that 12 months out of the year, you're going to lose that, that hunger. You you will lose that. And and I know it's, it's, the, it's the business of hockey that does that. and It's like that in every sport, not only hockey baseball soccer and all that i see it in other sports but uh, there's one thing that drives me crazy crazy it's those kids they need to play other sports they need to have your your muscle the you know the the way they you know like as a hockey player your shoulders are down all the time while you go play baseball while you're working different muscles (laughs) and i'm a big believer that you need to go out there and play other sports.
0: absolutely yeah well abby we uh I appreciate you taking the time out tonight. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck in Lehigh and, you know, good luck with everything.
1: Well, thank you. Let's do that again soon.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Labby. All
1: right. Thanks. Bye.